Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Good morning, or afternoon, or maybe even evening. A rare afternoon record coming to you live from the new Jojo's World studios in my new apartment. Inside your spacious bedroom, which is far more spacious than any other room in the house apparently. Than any other podcasting studio should be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are still fine tuning the audio setup here in the new apartment, Uh, so if there's any any uh, echo Terrible or, noise. or lack of quality, uh, we're, we're working on that, and please understand. If the jokes are subpar, it's the audio quality. Yeah, you know, sure. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. This is, of course, JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, where we recap and discuss JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the only anime worth watching. The last two episodes of, specifically, the second last episode of, episode 38. Which is, of course, also the stall, look at my phone, stall, stall. Did you know that there's a tiger named Arthur Bean? What? This is me stalling. Is that real? No, of course not. (laughs) But for the purposes of this podcast, he's so real! 151st episode of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime as a whole, covering chapters 588 through 591 of the manga. Ooh, that's four chapters or so. (laughs) That's some quantity of things. (laughs) That's between three and five chapters. (laughs) So, um... So, Nick, this episode is, of course, entitled Gold Experience Uh Requiem. Yep, yep. What did you think about it? Okay, well, three thoughts. Number one... Oh, you've only got three thoughts about it. What the fuck? Thought the first. What the fuck? Number two. Number two. Number three... There was like a minute of gold experience Requiem, and yet the whole episode is titled after him. Yeah. What the hell? (laughs) Thought number four, Liam. This episode is brought to you personally and financially by our lovely patron, Gage Cameron. Gage Cameron, named after the single most ubiquitous brand of craft beer in Western Australia. Exactly. Gage Roads. Wait, is that a craft beer? Yeah? I thought it was just a regular beer. Nick, what do you think the difference between those two things is? I thought craft beer was like you add things into it that isn't just, like, yeast. No, I think I think craft beer is this designation for, like, you know, beer made with actual craft rather than, oh. you know, your Tui's new or so are you saying your emu export. Are you saying that Gage your, um, Cameron is like a, a beer... It's an artisanal Cameron. He's an artisanal Cameron made with craft. Craft and an artist's eye and an artist's taste buds. A Leonardo da Vinci form of Cameron. Delightful. Yep, that's of course a reference to my favourite Ninja Turtle. <laughs> Thank you, Gage Cameron, for your continued support. Thank you, Gage. And I hope you're having a good day. So, Nick. Yes. Gold Experience Requiem. What about him? We open. (laughs) In the past. (laughs) It's the it's the restaurant they all hang out in. Oh, yep. Everyone but Giorno and Bucciarati and Trish are sitting around. Having a nice big spaghetti meal. Ah, oh, and Mister, in his infinite wisdom, is like, "Hey guys, hey guys, what do you think people tastes like?" I think Abakio's there, still alive, mm-hmm. and he's all like, "Uh, why would you bring that up?" I believe, um, is it now or later when Narantia like spits out his spaghetti? I think it might be later. Okay. I know that someone at this point is like, I'm trying to eat here. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to eat my spaghetti fagioli. <laughs> it's just like, 
okay, mister, where is this going? It's like, well, you know, Well, I was smoking a bowl in the back room earlier, and I started thinking, what does people taste like? I don't know, mister, what does people taste like? What kind of dumb question is this? Meanwhile, in the present, a bird is flying and smoothly transitions us from those halcyon days of restaurant hangouts to the present, where everyone is dead and the people who aren't dead are sad and the boss is getting punched by Gold Experience Requiem. There's only one bit of that I liked, and it was, everyone's sad. (laughs) He's getting big punchy, muda muda muda. As you always do when it comes to the Dio slash Jojo slash interaction of their bloodlines. Yeah, Zajonno. I was, of course, uh, reprising my role as Paolo from the Lizzie McGuire movie in the uh, Hilary mm. Duff Film Reenactment Festival. A classic. Uh, at the Fringe World Festival this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got the offensive Italian accent locked and loaded. <laughs> Hey, can you give me a taste of Paolo for me? What's what's the best line he gets in the Lizzie McGuire movie? Well, I don't know any of his lines from the actual movie, but in the comedy stage show I was a part of. Uh-huh. Um, How racist is this going to be, Liam? Well, as my as the, the person who runs the show, who I was helping out, uh, insists, she's half Italian, so she's allowed to do this, and I'm doing them on her behalf. I, so. like, I like, as she insists. Yep. Not necessarily true, but she insists. It's true. Okay. Just... Yep. Just the sound of, as she again insists. Well, actually, Paolo's best line from the Lizzie McGuire movie, which I get to say in the show, is, You can do it, because I you shine like the light from the sun. Man, that is, that is powerful. That is a powerful statement when said with an Italian accent. Sojourner's all like, You will never arrive at the truth of your victory. In particular, the truth of your victory. Oh, uh, in particular, that one. That specific thing. And then the opening happens. It's good. Yep. Uh, And uh, everyone kind of marked out when this was airing, as I recall, Mm -hmm. because uh, having reached his golden apotheosis as Gold Experience Requiem, uh, Jorno has become the first JoJo's Bizarre Adventure protagonist with the power to steal the opening sequence back from the villain who hijacks it. (laughs) He's the most powerful being known. To JoJo's Bizarre Adventure intros. Uh, much like uh, how Diavolo would start hijacking it and doing his moody monologue about how only I can stand free of the grasp of fate. Then uh, all of the Bohemian Rhapsody stuff from, from last week's episode starts happening yep. and Diavolo's like, oh, more Diavolos. The really weird shit oh. that just happens. I'm singing double, infinite Diavolos. <laughs> And then I think there's like a shot of Giorno just walking away. There's Giorno with his back turned to the camera uh, and then his hair breaks free of its tight braid and he's in the um, he's in the Dio in the spirit photograph oh, uh, pose. I and then in the background of that, Gold Experience goes like nuts and pierces the screen with golden light and we're all pierced by that light in our hearts and we're like, Giorno, he did it. Uh, and then... Uh, Gold Experience explodes and Gold Experience Requiem is there and he does a lot of big punchies. And there it is. We've actualized. Yeah. For like the third time now. <laughs> Diavolo's bloody body hits the surface of the, um, I almost said of the Thames. That's not right. His bloodied form falls into the torrent of water that is a small flowing river. The famous murky canals of Rome. Ah, those sweet 
bottomless pits of fecal fluid mm-hmm. gestating like sweet romance. Giorno and Trish run over and they're like, wow, Giorno, we didn't see what happened, but you did it. And Giorno's like, yeah, I also don't 100% know what happened, but I did it. I think it had something to do with winning, though. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. And uh, Trish is meanwhile going all like, Batman, where's the Joker? Like, but did you see his body? Did you see the body? The Pontiac Bandit could be anywhere. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really into the references today. Great. Yep. Find him, Jorno. You've got to find his body. Meanwhile, downstream. <laughs> as, you, as you cunningly remarked after this giant monologue, mm-hmm. with the, oh, we've all been there. Uh, no, um, what I remarked we've all been there at is what's about to happen, which is Diavolo dragging himself out of the river into a huge, like, Bloodborne-esque sewer mouth. The worst part is slowly crawling, being like, yes, yes, this is what I want. I'll just go here, into the sewers where I belong. We've all been there. The worst part is I was watching that and I was like, man, this is the best moment for an all, like, we've all been there joke. And you just immediately went, (laughs) and then waited up like in like two minute thing with a giant grin on your face Mm -hmm. as Diablo's like, yes, of course. I'll just I'll just drag myself into the ancestral home. I'm still somehow alive. And you go, we've all been there. Mm -hmm. And I went, how long have you been waiting this? How long have you been waiting for this moment? Just in my mind. Mm -hmm. 10 seconds or so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, man. What was that? I clearly saw my victory depicted. And yet, is this the power of gold experience requiem? How could I, even I, Diavolo, with King Crimson, hope to overcome this? But I got away, so I'll figure it out. Now to just rub my gaping chest wounds, which we clearly saw bleeding in the water, (laughs) on this sewer filth and, Uh, and crawl to safety. Of course. The true villain is Tetanus. And then we see a shadowy figure approach in the light of the sewers. Like, he's wearing... Oh, no, he's not even wearing it, no, but he's so carrying... It's like Yarnamite runs up. He's wear, He's got, like, this... He's waving this, like, raggedy coat in one hand. <laughs> it's like a big brown detective well, first, coat. First, we just sort of see this shadowy figure, like, approach with, like, disturbing st- speed, and we... we Hear like, the like Jacob's Ladder style. Unmistakable sh- sound of a stab. Mm. And Diavolo's eyes go wide, close up on his eyes. And then there's this guy there. He's like drooling from one side of his mouth. He's waving his um coat around and he's like, You'll never take my coat! He's, he's got pitch black eyes and white pupils. Yeah. And he's like, If you dare come for my coat, I'll come for you. You'll never snatch my precious coat. You call that a coat? Go Hands off that shiny shirt. No, that's mine. It's mine. It's going to the great eye along with everything else. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> they all lift their He's coats found to the sky. Sewer orcs. <laughs> Who are we? Oh, we're the armies of Coatdom. We're the armies of Saruman. After Middle Earth fell, we all just kind of went to it, Italy. Kind of like how all the Nazis went to Venezuela after the war. And now... We've got coats. Oh, 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 oh. And that's it. They yep. all just stay So all... he's there. He's shouting about his coat. Diavolo mm. looks over at some other guys who are just like hanging out and sees the unmistakable sight of a drug syringe. <laughs> now, we both immediately went, <gasps> the, the drugs. drugs. How ironic that it should be his own. His wares. own drug empire that should lead to 
like a, I suppose a small element of his downfall <laughs> because ultimately, as we are about to see, he's still subject to the reality warping powers of God Experience Requiem. And I guess Jorno's subconscious is like, yeah, I'm going to subject this guy to an eternity of horrible death, mm. but I'm going to start this off right with like a bit of irony, you know? Mm. There's some uh, syringe on the ground. There's a homeless guy. What else could I... Oh, he could get stabbed. That's a good little bit of poetic irony, right? So he's ranting about his coat and about how no one will ever take his coat and you want to fight. And then he's like, he waves around the knife and the knife is unmistakably bloody. And Diavolo looks down and he's like, oh, I've been stabbed. Oh, well, this will be my demise then. Mm-hmm. Not and the millions of punches that cracked my skull <laughs> and ribs earlier. Or the undetermined amount of time I spent underwater. Mm. Any of those factors are relevant, but this stab wound, this single stab wound. Well, like, he's on the ground, like, going into shock because he's been stabbed. And then the guy looms over him, like, you'll never take my coat. (laughs) And he raises the knife up, and then as it comes down, we sort of... Like, there's a sort of reality shift transition where all these, like, shadow images of Diavolo move out towards the screen and everything, like, opening sequence of 1960s-era Doctor Who space wars. Ah, and then he awakens. It's a cold clinical setting with, like, grey-blue light. There's a fluorescent light beaming into his eyes, Mm -hmm. like an office. Everything's washed out, and he's laying... He's like, why am I laying on this bed? He looks to the left. Was it all a dream? He looks to the right. And this woman comes in and she's got a clipboard in front of her face and she's talking and she's like, it's the 25th, 10am, file 68. Hi, I'm Dr. Monica Yultello. Let's autopsy this bitch. Woo! Yeah! We love you, Monica! Open up his ribcage! Where's Chandler? It's like she just lowers the clipboard slowly. Today's victim, a young man. I can't remember how old she said he was. Welcome to Anatomy for Beginners. I'm Dr. Monica Rultello, and here's that creepy guy who would do the dissections on live TV. Hello, yes. As you can see, I am, as always, wearing my finest Freddy Krueger-esque hat. Do you remember that show? What? What? SBS Anatomy for Beginners. No. It was a show where it was it was about human anatomy. Okay. And they would talk about particular elements of human anatomy each episode through two main vehicles. Okay. One, um, just like people standing there nude that they would draw on with a marker. Ah. And two, like corpses hanging from meat hooks that this creepy guy would autopsy. Okay, cool. So that did happen. Yep. I thought the joke was, oh yeah, this is a fake show where we hang corpses from the ceiling and no. they talk in a, a weird disembodied voice as though a voice actor is utilizing their debt no no just real show yep How, what did they do with the meat hooked bodies like they'd been donated to science or whatever no but i mean were they already opened up and like no pre-prepared no so they just cut them and just blur oh i'm sure they've been treated in some way like um oh so it didn't just immediately preservatives or so it didn't just fall out onto the floor no just being like oh well, no. he knows what he's doing oh. he's an expert at cutting up dead bodies yeah but what about the doctor <laughs> So, uh, Diavolo's ranting, saying nothing of import, just being like, why aren't you listening to me? Mm, looks like, uh, his time of death must have been about 58 hours ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, found him in the sewers where he belongs, he but, uh, wasn't didn't killed. drown yeah. because no water, not enough water in him. We can rule mm. out suicide, there's no signs of hesitation. Let me just get out all of my creepy autopsy tools. <laughs> Damn it, woman, why am I lying here? And we see, like, a, a, dis- a, a disturbing array of... Hammers and bone saws mm. and scalpels and things and that should tweezers. only be used on the dead, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. And he's just there going, Woman, rep- respond to me. Why am I here? Do tell me, Diavolo, with my weird, wispy, guttural vocals. Scalpel, 
But woman, why, why are and you stabbing into me? he feels all of the pain. Big ouchies! Ah, uh, yes, I can see that uh, he died from a stab wound to his liver. It's good colour, though. Mm, good mm. colour liver. Let me just bone sore open his chest to look at the abdomen. Why don't you hear me, woman? Ah! And... That's creepy, right? That's weird. It's freaky. Creepy shot in that whole sequence too of like all the blood from his abdomen draining down into the um the sinkhole. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. See, I don't think I was weirded out as much as you were. It's a very creepy sequence. It's more like like it's it's almost like a sleep paralysis nightmare, yeah, but you're yeah. actually being autopsied because you know you're you know you're conscious or at least you think you are and and you can't move yeah. and some, something horrible is happening. It's a bit like um. Have you have I ever told you the bit where in the Punisher? I'm sure. Here we go. There's... Well, he was hunting Archie because, as we all know, Archie Andrews and the Punisher take place in the same universe, <laughs> which is crazy. But I want to see that crossover. So it, it exists. It exists. It exists. Don't tell me it exists. It exists. Oh shit! So there's a thing in the Punisher where basically he is hunting down slave traders or like child molesters or something. You know, people you know. who he punishes. Yeah, and so one of them, he's like. Hey, buddy, listen, I need some information from you. And the guy's like, well, you, I, I'm willing to die. I don't need to stay alive. All my work has already been done. And he's like, oh, I don't need to kill you to get the answers. That's pointless. But back in Africa, we had ways of making people talk. And he's doing like weird things like hanging something up nearby. And the guy's like, what, what do you mean things that made people talk? It's like, well, see, things about the human body that really fascinate everyone in Africa was that you could take out their organs and you would still live. And then the light comes up nearby <laughs> oh no. and all of his organs are splayed out in front of him, like hanging from different branches and stuff. And the guy's like, ah! and the Punisher's there like, great. Now tell me what you know. Otherwise I'll just do things to your organs. Scary. Yeah. It's like that, but you're watching as the organs get pulled out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would be bad. Yeah, yeah bad. Real bad. Just um, For Diavolo, that is. So then, after Diavolo gets autopsied... Yep, another one of those transitions, and he, then he's on the street. And this time, all the, um... Everything's got a sort of pinkish hue, like all the ground and such, which makes Diavolo's hair green. Hang on, I'm just doing a colour wheel in my head right now. There's a green hair from a pink hue. His hair, of course, already being pink. Therefore must be green. Sure. Uh, I'm willing to believe it. <laughs> Uh, and he's he's in front of this this busy street, and he's like, the pain on that autopsy table, so real. What's going on? <laughs> this sucks. I mean, I always thought that I was invincible. I always thought that I was Diavolo. I was a king of kings. And there's this guy there, and he's like, excuse me, mister. Are you... Yep, mister's there. <laughs> excuse me, sir. Are you all right? You look a bit hunched over and unwell. And Diavolo's like hyperventilating. It's like, I why, why am I seeing all these different things? And then... The telltale barking of a small, enthusiastic dog. Oh, that's an omen. Oh, oh! It's like a poodle kind yeah. of dog thing? It's like brown. Like a toy poodle. Yeah. And it's just barking at it, being like and rough, rough. tiny yips startle him so that he takes a small step back, trips on the, like, ankle-high street barrier, and falls in front of a car. And he's like, no, I could never die in such a stupid way. I'm Diavolo. No, I couldn't die after a man embodied inside of a turtle gave the gift of infinite power to a teenager not more than 15 years old who hates the drug trade in Italy of my own creation and thus came after me with his friend who's probably a protagonist of his own show who has the power of zips. Yep, I couldn't die to that. That's what happened. (laughs) 
I wouldn't die so stupidly. He gets hit by a car. Meanwhile, back at the bridge, um, all the protagonists are like, we gotta go after him. I'm Trish. I can't, I'll never be able to rest until I know he's dead because he'll want to kill me. What is this voice? I don't know. It's Trish. That's what she sounds like. And Giorno's like, look, I hear what you're saying, but it's fine. I feel deep in my heart of hearts that he's already he lost. He won't be heading anywhere ever again. Except... A thousand multitudes of torture. He shall never arrive at the truth of his own death. Fucked up. Yeah, it's Banishing him to, like, a series of death sketches for eternity. There's probably going to be one in an infinite quantity of time. There'll probably be one where he kills himself and he'll be all like, no, I couldn't kill myself. Yeah, it's going to be like that song in the um in, that they put in the Groundhog Day musical where mm. there's, like, a whole tap sequence of him just killing himself. <laughs> exactly. But worse, because it's Diavolo. So he's more of a shithead. Sure, yeah. Meanwhile, back in the death cycle, unclear how how this timeline is 100% working because mm. Dr. Monica Ultello, of course, said that he died like 24 to 48 hours ago, but those guys are still on the bridge. Well, I mean, if he's just seeing these visions... No, it's real, I'm pretty sure. No, I mean, like, as in, he's experiencing them, mm. but then we don't know what's actually happened to his body in this timeline. No, I... Yes. Yeah. It's all very cerebral. Mm, it's all very face-off. Speak on that. Well, what if Nicolas Cage is not his own character in a different timeline? Nick, line? have you seen this movie? No. Okay. What happens in face-off? I already know what happens. You've told me. <laughs> on this podcast, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, what if in real life, Nicolas Cage is actually John Travolta and we don't even know it? No, we could tell. He'd get really into Scientology all of a sudden if John Travolta became Nicolas Cage. But what if there's a movie that's going to come out in like two years? Face Off 2. This time, it's facinal. This time, it's religious. I'm trying to think of how I can do a John Travolta accent. The wickedly talented Face Off. <laughs> um, anyway, so Diablo's got a raw deal. Yep. Rightly so. Come on, Giorno. Let's go back to the Colosseum. Bruno Bucciarati's waiting for us. Yeah. About that. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's go. Let's go to the yeah. Colosseum. I'm sure that'll be a great time. And then in the sky, Bruno is like, you did the right thing, Giorno. I see this as an absolute success. <laughs> <laughs> this is an absolute win for all of us. Yeah. I'm dead. Abakio's dead. Laurentia's dead. Fate is a sleeping slave and we've set that slave free. That's victory. <laughs> But what does that mean? Like, what What does that mean, Bruno? Does he just mean, oh, yeah, the timeline's fucked up now? More on that later, Nick. Okay. All right. I don't trust you, but okay. <laughs> and then, like, close up on the arrowhead, which clatters to the ground next to Jonah. Hmm. Meanwhile, in the past. Oh, good. This was getting deep. Yep. So I was thinking about eating people. Oh, Mister's here. Yeah. And Abakio. So and Fugo. Second half of this episode is basically like the part five that I wanted all along, where it's just like weird mafia adventures, <laughs> you know? And you were just like, can we just do this every week? Yeah. Like, now we're back in, the, you know, so much of like mafia fiction is just like the thugs like hanging around in the restaurant shooting the shit, you know, mm. waiting for some crime to happen. Mm. And then going off, maybe doing a thing and then coming back and eating spaghetti. Yeah, and then murking a guy. Exactly. So, um... But yeah, um, Giorno Giovanna is like, ever since I was little, I always wanted to be a gang star. It's good fellas. <sighs> God damn it. So he's talking about how, oh yeah. So here's my theory. You know, meat eaters, carnivores, like, 
cats and lat vultures and lions. Mm-hmm. We don't eat them. We don't eat them because they eat meat, and that makes their meat too stinky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Where are you going with this, mister? Cats are too disgusting. You wouldn't eat a cat in a restaurant, would you, Narantia? And Narantia's like, I would never eat a cat. I wouldn't eat a cat if it ate me. Oh, there's a good bit. Um, I think it was I think it was in the, the sort of cold open bit, mm-hmm. but where Narantia is talking, gives some response to mister, and Fuko's like, don't encourage him, Narantia. <laughs> don't feed him. He grows up your attention. <laughs> Oh, that's actually in this next bit up, coming up. Um, the food, the animals we do like are animals like cows and pigs and chickens that are herbivores. I have some news for Mister about the dietary preferences of chickens and pigs. They'll eat just about fucking anything you put oh, in there. Oh, no. Chickens, of course, are known to be cannibalistic if the convenient opportunity pre- presents itself. I see. And pigs are a not uncommon means uh, of disposing of dead bodies. Huh. That's interesting. Do they have to be fresh bodies or like old bodies or? Nick, I do not know. <laughs> no, but like. No, but I do not know. So I can't answer this for you. But where would I find this information? <laughs> <laughs> and have you heard of sweet fish, Nick? Oh, I think I've heard of sweet fish. Why? They don't eat bugs, only algae. And normally a fish's guts are too bitter to eat. But the sweet fish's guts, mm, that's where it's at. Now, is this the bit where Naranch is all... Oh, no, that's the next bit. Yeah. Never mind. Ergo, by this logic, humans that eat meat would taste gross. And not humans that <laughs> novels, don't eat meat. Novels that talk about human meat being delicious are full of shit. Ah, it all makes sense now. And then Naranch is like, um, but, but... But I usually eat more fruit and vegetables than meat. Well, guess what, Narantia? You'd be fucking delicious. Guess what, Narantia? I'm going to eat you first. <laughs> hey, come closer. Yeah, and now, now Fugo's like, don't encourage him, Narantia. Don't tell him this information. And Abakio's like, oh yeah, this all makes sense. You know what? I'm actually pretty convinced. <laughs> and then Bruturati comes in and he's like, hey guys, Leaky Eye Luke is dead. This is where we are in the timeline. Oh, we're pre-Jorno. Mm. Ah, this is why these conversations are happening now. The capo, Polpo, has told me to look into his death. Of course, you all remember Polpo. He's a hundred feet tall and he lives in a prison. Uh, yes, I do remember big fat Polpo <laughs> Banana Man. <laughs> Naranji is like, oh, Licky Eye Luca. Hate that guy. He sells drugs to kids. You know, he was always an asshole. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. He probably just got high and hit his head or something. And Bruno's like, stop that talk, Narantia. You can have those principles and think that privately, but you aren't allowed to voice those principles. For you, like I, must put aside your convictions to ascend in this dark mafia lifestyle. For we have yet to meet a man with such purity of vision to say, no, fuck that. (laughs) I want to sell the drugs to the kids. Though I don't want to, but I must. For this is the life that we have found ourselves in. For you may recall your own life story, and my life story, and Mr's life story, and Fugo's life story, and Abakio's life story. We have all been cast out by society, and now come together as outcasts in a secret sub-society of our own. Basically, our life is not great, even though it looks like it. But what about Leafy-Eyed Luke? Leafy? Leafy-Eyed Luke. What about Leafy-Eyed Luca's backstory? Oh, he's a prick. (laughs) He doesn't get one because he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> we cast him aside because he sells drugs to the kids. Yeah. And even though he doesn't want to voice that, we all know. So Fugo's like, hey, do you want me to look into this? Like, you're going to be a capo one day. One day very soon. Do you want... Uh, Check yeah. watch. <laughs> Don't waste your time with this. I'll do it. By the way, there's an old man here to see you. 
Oh, tell me more about this old man. Is he old? A man? Is he a florist? So it's only now in the second episode of, um, second last episode of Judges Bizarre Adventure Part 5, Vento mm-hmm. Oreo. Yeah. That we are doing, um, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> Except it's more like, I come to you on the day of my daughter's suicide. <laughs> yeah, so he comes in and there's this old man there and Bruno's sitting in this big chair. Mafia fucking chair. Yeah. And he's like, you're Bruno Bucciarati. Everyone loves you. You're a pillar of our society. I am. Go on. Keep <laughs> saying nice things to me. <laughs> what do you need, old man? No, he comes in and he's like, uh, sorry, my legs don't work so well. And I normally travel with my wife. But for reasons that are about to become evident, I couldn't bring her with me today. And Bruno's just like, hey, old man, do you pay your taxes? Well, uh, of course I pay my taxes. Do you pay your taxes on time in full every year? Well, Of course I do. Then we have no business together. For you are a good citizen. And you should not get dragged down into the muck of this mafia life. But the minute you ask me for help, you'll be in far deeper debt than you could ever imagine. But, but, I need you. I I, need you so bad. I understand. You came to this country and found a good trade and, and prosperity. And you did not think you needed me. But now, you come when you ask me for help. And you do not even think to call me godfather. Nice. I'm not good at that impression. No, terrible. But it's a good scene from a classic movie. I and think everyone will be like, that was pretty good. It's basically what we're doing here, you know? Like, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, it's, it's well worth checking out. I know. Apparently, so the basically, guy... Basically, the context oh. of that scene, then, to explain it to you, Nick, is that it is, of oh, course, the go. day of Don Corleone's wedding. Ah, I see. Uh, and Wait, you mean his daughter's wedding? Yes, sorry. It's the day of his daughter's wedding. You've quoted that enough times that I can correct you on <laughs> that. Um, and this man... Uh, who is, you know, he's part of the Sicilian community. I can't remember if he is, in fact, literally a godson of Don Corleone. But, uh, you know, they, he's, the, he's the godfather in the community. Uh, okay, uh, all right. I can't remember to what degree that is literal or is, in fact, a mafia extract, uh, abstraction. Okay. But he's, so the guy's here and he's like, you know, some piece of shit, like, you know, assaulted my daughter. Please kill him for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Don Corleone is like, you're not treating me with proper respect. So I will do this for you because it is my daughter's wedding day and I'm being generous. Mm. But in exchange, I shall call on you for a favour for you have not shown me proper respect. So now we have a trans- we have a transactional relationship rather than a familial one. Ah, classic. Classic mafia bond. Mm. And that's basically what's going on here, right? Okay, uh, yeah, but not at all. Well, I mean, that's what the guy is coming to Bruno wanting. But Bruno is like, look, I'm going to do you one better. We're going to look into this first and... Uh, only if it's actually warranted will we incur True. a massive debt. Yes. How about I do this for you, buddy? How about you so, so, fuck off and come back if it's actually worth our time? So what, what, I, what is actually happening is the guy is like, my daughter, she was so beautiful. All the guys were like, ah, oh, her eyes and her face and her eyes. <laughs> but now she is dead. She was seeing this man, this sculptor. Ah, a sculptor, you see. I am a florist, you see. And this is this is depicted in the sort of mural backdropping me speaking of my beautiful daughter and the hated sculptor and me with a sour expression on my face, chopping up flowers, staring at the sculptor who does not even come introduce himself to his daughter's, to his boyfriend's father. What is that? What is that? I mean, from Italy. What is that? It's family, it's important. Tony your taught us that. It's true. If you don't introduce your, your daughter, a husband, Mando, to the fucking... Mando? You heard me. Hey, Mando. <laughs> hey, Mando. Hey, Mando. Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter, eh? 
Ah, uh, so she jumped off the roof holding a big sculpture and is dead. She can come warm or cold. What? <laughs> you haven't watched Mandalorian yet, have you? No. One of the first, like, scenes is Mando walks in and the guy's like, hey, listen, I'll give you, like, a million creds. Nothing has to go. It's like, we can do this warm or cold. Mm. And it's like, oh, he's cool. But it's like, we can have the daughter warm or a cool. We can have the pizza warm or our next day cold leftovers. All the Italians in the room, like, smash their hands on the table. You do not have the pizza cold. Okay. Um. Anyway. So this is a really cool moment where, um, like, he's crying because he's talking about how his daughter died and, like, his legs give out because he talked about how his legs are weak. And Bruno, who's been doing the cold aloof mafia boss to not get this guy involved in the life, he, like, comes over and helps him stand up. Because even though he's being, being mafioso, not quite cut, Oh, man. He's being oh so mafioso. He's still got a good heart. He do. Mm. It's almost like he's the protagonist. Oh. Yeah, get it? Get I get it. it. Yeah. I swear to God, it's almost as though he is the protagonist, yeah. though. My daughter was my only hope. I love her so much. You must avenge her. Look at this big briefcase full of Amani. How about a no? Hang on. Are you saying this was murder? Well, it could not have been a suicide because we know our daughter. My wife and I. I a florist and she my wife. <laughs> my wife. My wife. <laughs> Famous <laughs> Italian boar hat. <laughs> Please, my wife. My wife. My wife. My wife. She come to me. <laughs> In the darkness. And the woods, and the darkness, and the howling wind. What is that? That's, uh, that's some bullshit. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, all, the police wouldn't look into it any further. Even his lawyer was like, drop it, man. And Bruno's like, wow, what a story. But they all knew that she would never commit suicide. Put your fucking money away, man. We're not some two-bob assassins that you can just buy off. And yet, I am touched by the sincerity of your words. And it it moves me. And it strikes me as odd that no one of these past six months would have been moved by such words. So, I shall do you this kindness. I'll go fuck up the sculptor. Oh, there was a bit that we skipped over where he was like, I would like to have this conversation in private because I'm about oh, to yeah. ask you to kill a man. And Bruno's like, look, I trust my boys. They're eating a delicious spaghetti lunch. I will not ask them to leave. I trust them and they trust me. It would be rude. Do you understand the gravity of the situation? They're having lunch in Italy. In this restaurant that we hang out in. Do you understand? Do you, you come here the day they're eating lunch. You come here on the day of the spaghetti luncheon and you ask me for a favour. You do not even call me Bruno Bucciarati. Let me just regale to you the importance of this meal. Tomato, mince, a bit of basil and a lot of love from the chef. That is the meal. You want me to tell them to leave that meal? You sicken me. Disgusting. What do you want, old man? <laughs> oh, and great moment where he sits... After, he's, after he picks the guy up, he sits back down against his chair and... And, like, is all of a sudden, like, hugely backlit by the streaming sunlight. Like, sitting in the shadows. Like the Godfather. At once being a sinister shadowy figure, but also at the same time being, like, a figure covered in angelic god rays. Ah, he's Representing Bruno. the dichotomy of Bruno Bucciarati at this stage. And standing as a stark contrast to the, like, golden god that he ascends to heaven as. Oh, man. What a lad. So he's like, hey, mister, go look into this for me. And mister stands up and he's like, hey, what's this fucking rock on my chair? And the rock says, bad luck. And there's a lot of on ominous katakana. And he touches the rock and there's a big <laughs> lightning effect. And then like welts and burns well up on his finger that say, um, kill me. And he just looks at it ominously going, 
What? And the Bakio's like, hey, mister, put that back. What? Put what back? The- oh, did I knock this rock off this, this like, really thin stand right next to my chair? Oh, I guess I can move it, looks at the rock ominously. Be- Bakio says, be careful when you stand up. Don't hit that rock. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Oh, mister, you knocked over the rock that makes your fingers say, kill you, kill me when you touch it. So, this was the moment where I went... <laughs> Okay, hang the fuck on a minute. What the fuck is happening in this episode? Is this some golden experience bullshit? Is this what we're in? No, this is just what we're doing this episode. Okay, alright. You want a lift, says Fugo? I'm going that way anyway. Yeah, sure, let's do it. Hop in the car until... Fugo's like, okay, get in the car. Come on, get in the car. Yeah, they're in the parking lot. Here's the address. Picture of the boyfriend. Beat him up. Make him talk. Here's a tape recorder. Fugo hops in the car. He's like, all right, come on, mister. Mister looks over. Do want to clarify Mm. beforehand. Mister's like, so should I kill him if he did it? And Bruno's like, nah, just like cripple him for five years and then call the police. We're not assassins. Yeah. We're just cripplers. We have some class. We'll just Mm. beat him with an inch of his life. Yeah. He'll live. He just won't live, you know? We're not assassins, mister. Even though the first thing that you did when you were introduced was say your stand was perfect for assassinations. <laughs> we're not members of, say, some sort of hypothetical hitman team. Thank you. Um, so, so there's yeah. a rock behind the car. A lot of menacing katakana emanating from it. Uh, Fugo's like, hey, what are you doing? And mister's like, wait a minute. I gotta go look at this. He looks like, oh, oh it's just a bunch of burly men moving a bunch of round rocks. While they're building a building with square rocks. Oh, what's happening here? And Mufugo's like, get in the fucking car. And Mr. Kicks the ominous looking rock and is like, stupid rock. Yeah. They get in the car. Rock. Something's bugging me. So this, the guy was saying that she jumped off the building with a with a rock. Like yes, a strange Mr. looking yes. rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did it look like? Well, it looked strange, didn't it? Mm. How strange? Well, I mean, the guy just said it looked strange. Wait, what? Out the window, a rock. <laughs> And there's like another ominous rock identical to the one that he knocked over and that was by the car. And they're driving and he's seeing a heap and he's freaking out but then he like looks at like a pillar and it's just got a bunch of like regular round sculptors on it. He's like, oh, sometimes you gotta shake a tree and see what falls out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just, you know those famous trees that grow round (laughs) rocks? And Um, this is not a small rock either. This is like double the size of my head. Probably doubles the size of a soccer ball. Yeah, yeah, probably Mm. that. And it's just like, you look at it, you go, that's a pretty... Pretty hefty rock. Yeah, ominous. Yeah. Fugo's like, jeez, mister, how much wine did you have at lunch? And mister's like, mister's like going, he's so sarcastic in this next line that even through like the fact that we're listening to another language, we can tell how sarcastic (laughs) he's being. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm being so stupid. I'm terribly sorry to inconvenience you with my stupidity, Fugo. Fuck you. So good. It's these banters that we live for. Here we are at the apartment building. Oh, how conveniently timed. So Bruno's all like, all right, get out of here, mister. Just drop me off here. I'll go in. As soon as he gets out of the car, Fugo's like, for fuck's sake, that guy. Do you want me to follow him? And mister, already walking off, Bruno in the car is like, nah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll follow him. You you look into Leaky Eyed Luca. I just remember there's a lot of stand users in this part of town, so. They're all converging for some reason. You know. So, Mister's doing some CSI. Ah, the courtyard where she died. How ominous. Anyway, mm. time to get in the elevator. Ding! And the elevator opens. And much like The Shining, there's an ominous item inside the elevator. What is it? It's 
A rock. Oh no, a rock. The and very same rock we've seen four times already. And there's a guy there looming up against the edge of the elevator with a sinister face. It's like, um, what's the, the weird, creepy Japanese horror girl? That like puts their. Um, you have to get more specific. It's like their fingers go across the edge of the door as their head maybe pops the grudge. Yeah, something like that, and it's like eyes just looking right past the mm. edge of the door. Oh, maybe like um the ring. Yeah, and it's just like oh oh that's weird. He's got the same purple hair as the guy in that photo mm-hmm. though. This is definitely a stand. But what's up with that rock? He shoots it five times and it forms the unmistakable shape of a dead Bruno Bujarati. <gasps> Curled up in the fetal position. <sighs> dead and dying. To be continued. Don't tell me this is the end of the episode. Don't you dare tell so, me. Nick, what are our highlights and lowlights? So episode 38 what of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 what? Gold Experience what Requiem the, is here up in the mix. The, what the fucking what? Okay, alright. Highlights. My, my highlight probably has to be the scene where uh, Mr. sees the rock in the restaurant for the first time. Oh, yeah. And he's like, dun, dun, touch it, zap, kill me. What? And Mr. Then, put that rock back. Exactly. And it's just like, <laughs> gone. It's like, what the fuck? Because at that point, you know, okay, some bullshit's happening. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know what bullshit yet. And also, why is it happening in the second last yes. episode? We'll get to that in predictions. Um, oh, my God. My highlight is that whole Godfather scene. Like, you, I've talked mm. before about how I long for, like, an alternate part five that's paced like part four. Yeah. And this is, like, the the like the like first few episodes of part five, and now this are, like, all I get of it, and I just <laughs> chump it up. You just want that pumped into your veins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My low light, Liam, is quite simple. It's everything else that happened. (laughs) No, it's the fact that, like, it's the second last episode, right? Mm -hmm. And we have now dealt with Diavolo. Yep. In the first five minutes of the episode. Yep. And that was it. Yeah. But there's another episode to come. Yep. And we're in a flashback that takes place before everything started. Yeah, so it's like, but this, I want to know what the end is. We'll we'll get to that in a sec. We're so close. My low light, I think... Um... You come to me. No, that was my highlight. The day of my daughter's muda. What? The day of my daughter's muda. Uh, it grosses me mm. out when he's got, like, the kill me welts on him. Ah, uh, yes, yes. What about the autopsy scene? No, Not like, that? that definitely grossed me out, but that's what it's trying to do, mm. so... I see, yeah. I see. You just don't like the welts. Yeah, it's You gross. don't like, na- like, naturally emanating things that come from a magical power. Yeah. Mm. So, Nick, Diavolo's been banished to an endless cycle of life and death. The Shadow Realm. <laughs> yeah, he's in the Shadow Realm. Uh... <laughs> Meanwhile, in the past, um, Mister is being haunted by a rock as he looks into the mysterious death of a young florist's daughter. Bruno Bucciarati is also entering the apartment building and his death has been foretold in this rock. Oh no. What will happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5, Vento Oreo, aka Golden Wind, in the episode entitled Sleeping Slaves. Sleeping slaves. Sleeping slaves. Which, as we all know, fate is a sleeping slave that has now been set free. Hmm. Hmm. That's concerning. Uh... I mean, it could be an episode that boils down to alternate timelines. Okay. 
Oh, like we're seeing like what would have happened if they never met Giorno. Exactly. We're seeing what would have happened if Fugo went to investigate Giorno mm. instead of Bruno Bucciarati. Precisely. And but, then but life why? would go on. Uh, because now the fate is different, I guess. I don't know. It's not going to be like an hour long last episode, no. though, is it? No. It's just regular old 20 minutes. Yep. 23 and a half minutes or whatever it is. Oh, that's weird. What if it's... What if all this somehow changes everything that's happened in that classic, like... Uh, what's, what's that movie? Is it Now You See Me? Where there's like that one twist that changed. Like M. Night Shyamalan oh, movies? You mean the twist in Now You See Me that like retroactively undoes the rest of the movie and makes it all pointless? Yes, that. Okay. Or like the Italian job where it's like, oh, they got away all along. Or the Watchmen where it's like, I did it half an hour ago. And you're like, oh, because he's smart. So what would that be in this case? That would be... They were still asleep the whole time. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. And Polnareff's there being like, oh, I'm not in a turtle. Or, um... And they ne- they all never met? Is that where you're going with no, this? No, it's like the moment that Golden Experience evolved. Yeah. Everything that has now happened and everything that is happening is now up for grabs. <laughs> in a matter of saying. So, like, we're just seeing random shit that could have gone down. Maybe? I don't know! It's like Jorno going back and retroactively fixing timelines to make a better life for his friends. Yeah! Yeah! It's like that! Yeah! I don't know! Okay, okay. Here's- okay. So Golden Experience has obviously fucked up the timeline, right? They have fucked up the timeline of Mm -hmm. fate. The question is, have they only done it for Diavolo, or have they done it for everyone? Right. And he can't control... Is this going to be one of those things where, like, life is going on next episode, and then, like, at some crucial moment, Mr. is going to meet Jorno, who knows everything that's going on. He's like, Jorno, oh, Mr., we need to go back. Yeah, it's going to be just like that. And then, like, reality's going to fall apart, and they'll make it work. Yeah, and then everything will go to the actual real timeline... And John will be all like, yes. Oh, in in the style of Lost. This is Lost final season. Exactly. This is what we would call a flash sideways. Yes. And then they'll all leave a church at the end, symbolizing their deaths. Great. Love it. Um, so... (laughs) So it'll probably be something like, we're seeing Mr.'s point of view, but then next ep we'll see like Trish or someone else or something. And it'll all come together in this one pivotal moment where Jono's like, I've brought you all here together. I need to go now. It's my birthday. The timeline <laughs> <laughs> the, the timeline needs to be fixed. And I'm the one to do it. And then no one will bum, remember ba-dum, me. Bum, ba-dum, bum, ba-dum. <laughs> Nick, Nick, this I'm not saying it's gonna turn into Doctor Who. And so obviously that would be the resolution of whatever's happening right now. Oh no! No, but what I'm what I'm asking you is what is the actual ending of part five in that I context? Know. Oh god! Okay, okay. So Jono gathers everyone. Yep, and is all like the timeline needs me, mm-hmm. and then the ending will be everyone at the restaurant where they eating. all hang out, even Fugo. And they'll be like, something's not right. Oh, not uh, Fugo. What about the dead people? No, no, no. So everyone will still be dead. Okay. Right? It's just that Jono will be gone from the moment. So it's just going to be Trish and Mr. <laughs> It'll be Trish, Mr. Oh, fuck. And Fugo. No, surely not Fugo. Fuck. Just Trish and Mr. on a date. <laughs> Maybe it'll be... Okay, maybe it'll be the gang and everyone who died except... Fugo's still gone because he fucked off, so he's not dead. But it'll be like a Bakio, uh, Not Fugo. I was about to say Narantia. Fugo. Narantia, Bruno. Polnareff as well. Because, I mean, why not? Yep. Uh, who else is good? 
prosciutto and pesci will be there. Oh, God, we all love them. Um, but they'll all be Polpo, eating... Polpo, Mr. Pericolo. <laughs> uh, yes. They'll all be eating at that restaurant. Those guys who were doing a human pyramid uh, and wanted, wanted to take a picture. Koichi will be there. Yes. Um, so they'll all be eating in the restaurant being like, does this feel wrong? Giorno won't be there. Because they'll be like, hmm, something's not right. Oh, well. And then Bruno will be all like, I haven't heard from the boss in a while. If only we knew if he was alive or dead. Then we could stop selling drugs to the kids. Yeah, exactly. And then it'll be like, you know what? Maybe we will. Maybe we will stop selling drugs to the kids. And then Mr. will look into the screen and say, Mamma mia! And that'll be the end. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So John will just disappear into fate? Now I am the guardian of time. Alternate ending. Like Sailor Pluto. Alternate ending. None of that's happening, and this is literally just a flashback to the past for some insane fucking reason. <laughs> and it'll just be like a weird twist of like, they all knew Jono was going to be the guy yeah. all along. Did you notice that this would happen? Yeah, something like that. Did, did right? you know? Did you did you pick up on this not at all foreshadowed thing that she only told you about in the after fact? Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, and then it'll just be Jono and crew again eating at the restaurant, but they'll... In fact, they won't be eating at the restaurant. They'll just be walking along and be like, what do we do now? I guess we don't sell drugs to the kids. Uh... And that'll be it. And then everyone's ghosts will be up high and they'll be like, Jono, do you Ivana lived on to be quite the mafioso. A gang star, you might say. Yeah, but it might be like the end of part three where we don't see anything to do with part six. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Because I don't understand... And the end of part four, we didn't see anything to do yeah, with part five. Yeah, anything to do with part... F- yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah, it's all just going to be a self-contained kind of thing. Okay. You know? Yep. Uh, and we won't see anything of part six. We won't see... I mean, I don't understand how we're going to resolve both a flashback and everything else that has happened. What else is still to be resolved in the present? I mean, what happens to Jorno, Trish and Mister now? Like, what are they going to do? Yeah, good question. Well, Bruno offered Trish his apartment. So they're just going to go back to... Not that she knows, because that was actually Doppioke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe they're just going to go back to that mansion place, that winery or whatever oh, it was. Didn't they burn that down? I feel like they burned that down. No, didn't they, they just could be leave? mistaken, yeah. But they just left. Oh, yeah, Narantia burnt everything else down. Ah, classic. So, yeah, they might just go back there and be like, I guess this is an okay life. And John will be like, yeah. I guess it is. I never knew my dad, yeah, and I he, never will. Yeah, he did. I mean, you yeah. know, his biological father, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's this stone mask here? Interesting. Oh, God. <laughs> There's going to be nothing about the stone mask ever again. No. I just, I don't understand how they can wrap up the flashback and everything else in the same episode. Well, time will tell when we continue. <laughs> Duh. Not at all forced. No, we're not actually ending there. Um, once again, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for putting up with uh, the move. If there is a bit of an echo on this one, we'll still be working on shutting that down in the coming weeks. So mm. please bear with us. Might try and get more soundproofing. Yeah. Who knows how we'll get that. We'll figure it out. Speaking of, if you'd like to donate money to us in order to help us get more soundproofing... Patreon.com slash Jojo's World. It's a great place, filled with bonus content. Nick, has our um, has our most recent bonus episode come up yet? The one where we, perchance, design a little something-something? Where we make... Uh, Merchandise-driven kids anime? Well, yes, it has, Liam. Nick, I want to, um, I want, with your permission, I want to um, share that little pull quote section you sent me on Facebook Messenger on our Twitter. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just a bit of a taster there. I recommend checking it out. We laugh very hard at our own bullshit. (laughs) Oh, man. That was so fucking dumb. But so good. Yeah. And until next time. To to be be continued. continued.